You're listening to Stonecast, Curling in the Twin Cities with Jordan Wickland and Christopher Lisney. Today, we speak with Don Satram, a nominee for the St. Paul Curling Club Board of Directors. We're here with Don Satram, running for the board or nominated for the board. We've got Jordan and Chris. This is our third Stonecast interview, mm-hmm. and we're drinking margaritas at 11 o'clock on a Saturday. Doesn't get much better. Yep. No, it's it pretty doesn't. good. We've had three interviews in, in three different locations. Uh, we're at we're in Chris's living room. I'd like to compliment the floral uh, couch and the, the lacy curtains. Reminds me a lot of early 90s uh, Michelle Wicklin chic. Don, tell me about your curling background. We uh, covered it while I was making margaritas that I've curled for two years, Jordan for five years. Neither one of us knows what we're doing. I've curled for 56 years now. I, I grew up in Grand Forks, North Dakota. My uh, my grandfather had curled in uh, when they lived in Canada. My dad and his brothers curled. My mom and my aunts curled. And I grew up playing hockey uh, when the curling club used to be out, out at the fairgrounds where they built a new curling club with artificial ice about a mile from my house. And I quit skating and picked up curling, and I've been playing ever since. Was that a tough decision? Did you ever look back? I was, uh, I liked playing hockey, but I was never going to be any good at hockey. I wasn't going to play. I probably was nearing the end of my career anyway. I would have been a park player, but not a, not a, a high school player. Mm-hmm. So it was a good time, and uh, I, re- I really enjoyed curling. I've gotten so much out of that 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 had to be a good call. Mm. So you switched from hockey to curling because you thought with uh, curling you could go places and make the pros, and in, in hockey, you thought, oh, you know, I'm only going to be a park player, so I don't want to... Mm-hmm. Actually, that's all in retrospect. I switched <laughs> to curling because it was really... I had watched my dad play, and I just went out and curled, and I just got hooked. Well, I got into it for the babes, as as you must have as well. You recognize girls don't dig hockey players. Girls want curlers. When I started curling, girls didn't know what curling was. So. <laughs> what made you uh, move? Looking for work. Got out of school, and um, North Dakota was an agricultural state, so the opportunities for work were either in agriculture or perhaps teaching. And since those weren't my fields, I uh, came down to the Twin Cities. I knew one thing. I didn't know where I was going to work. I knew it would be a place that had a curling club. And here I am, many years later. Great. Well, what was uh, work? I was an actuary. I worked at... uh, Lutheran Brotherhood, which became Thrive Financial, I worked there for almost 39 years and uh, retired seven years ago. One of my math teachers growing up, um, I was always really good with math, and he had said that the highest paid math profession is to be an actuary. Really? That's what he said. I had never even heard of the profession until I got in college and Actually, a senior in college and an insurance company came to campus to interview, and I talked with them. And so that was the beginning of a long career. And 15 years ago, people would ask what I did for a living. I would say an actuary. They have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, what do you do for fun? I would say, well, I curl. They have no idea what I'm talking about. But all that has changed, so that's Mm -hmm. good. Well, the the actuary's job is to decide how much, determine how much to charge for insurance Mm -hmm. in in a nutshell. And so we would collect data. Uh, experience data on 
lifetime life expectancy determine life expectancies of diff- people at different ages and different sexes and or that there's only two i guess and uh use that not to nowadays there's... use that to determine yeah we're gonna have to slap a pc warning on this one don <laughs> you're, you're you're getting us into territory yeah. anyway <laughs> anyway so we would take that data and then uh Combine that with what it would determine how much it costs us to issue these contracts and maintain them. And it's uh, yeah, I spent a long time there, and uh, it's odd that uh, you spend a chunk of your life there, and five years later, it's like it's uh, it's gone. It's like I put it all in a box, shoved it in the closet, and moved on. You still have curling, though. Still have curling. I think that's what most people would want out of their careers, though. Work really hard, enjoy yourself, and then move on to something arguably better. You know, saw something treated you well, and it's great to talk about it, but it's also nice to be out of the office. It is. Close the door behind me, and I'm on to something new. Yeah. yeah I'm very fortunate to be able to do that, I think. That's great. So what's the something new? Uh, retirement. Uh, I curl uh, three times a week. I play softball twice a week, year-round. I do some volunteering best part is I get up in the morning and grab a cup of coffee and take as long as I want to read the newspaper. It's uh, Life is good for me. Do they still print the newspaper? <laughs> but Hey, speaking of newspapers, you have a, you've, Chris has an interesting artifact he discovered not long ago. Yeah, I found this uh, oh. Minneapolis Morning Tribune at a house. So it's Kennedy assassinated. So the date is Saturday, November 23rd, 1963. Yeah. Kennedy assassinated. Johnson is president. Uh, Pro cast droid Marxist 24 is charged with the slaying and it's got Lyndon B. Uh, Johnson on a plane. It looks photoshopped though. Like that doesn't <laughs> look real. Like there's a line around Jackie Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Why would they make her be there? Like, oh, you know, your husband's just shot. I need you to witness the swearing in. This is the best proof that the whole thing was a hoax. I, of course, remember that day. You fellas... Uh... I was read about it, exactly. Yeah. I was in school. I was a senior in high school, and uh, the rumor uh, was about noon, and everybody was saying that uh, you heard people scuttle that the president has been shot. And interestingly enough, about four years earlier, someone had started a similar rumor, but said Khrushchev had been shot, the premier mm. of Russia. And of course, that turned out to be a hoax. So my first reaction was, well, probably like most people, ah, that can't be. Mm. And then... Uh, Turned out it was, of course, and uh, they dismissed school early. And I went home and watched uh, TV for about three days with all the stuff going on. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, yeah, I was in high school during 9-11. I was in physics class, first period. And they said, uh, you, you know, one of the um, secretaries or, or someone from the administrative offices right down the hallway rushed in and said, the World Trade Center has been bombed. Because that's what... That had already happened before, and there wasn't a lot of news out. You know, instant media wasn't that instant then. And then, of course, 20 minutes later, it was really clear what was happening. And they said, you know, if you want to go home, go home. If you want to stay, we're going to cancel all classes, but we're going to turn on all TVs. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that was a surreal day. Yeah, it sure was. Who won the World Series in uh, that year? Didn't they cancel the World Series? No. Didn't they cancel some? That was, wasn't that one? Didn't the Mets play the Yankees? And George Bush went and threw out the first pitch. Is that the year? I don't know for sure. That's but. impressive. Yeah, it is. That That is what happened. Well, are, are there of you guys participating in the tri-spiel? My curling season has ended. You're not doing playdowns? Oh, I, I'd say we'll have ended. Yeah. Probably after my next match. But Well, that's not a very positive attitude. Well, experience. You know. 
When, uh, when do you curl? You said three I, nights a week? Yeah, I curl uh, Tuesday at 4.50 and Wednesday at 4.30 and Friday night mixed. And I do a few bond spiels. That there. Friday night mixed is a party. It's fun. It's, uh, Were you there the final night? I heard that that was uh, a roaring time. I wasn't there. Well, Muffy had made the. Uh, oh, she had made a sugary green drink that I I served several to Tom Faltasek, and he still beat us. But <laughs> that, that was a lot of fun. That sold out. That drink, I believe. Mm. Mm. That because I was buying them for Tom. <laughs> So you've curled for 50-plus years. Mm -hmm. What are some uh, highlights of that? That's a long time to curl. You've probably been everywhere and curled every bond spiel. I curled a lot. I used to do a lot of bond spiel and used to play competitively. But And it used to be, uh, one thing I've learned, it used to be I'd go to a bond spiel and if we didn't win or at least play on Sunday, I'd be really, really, really upset. I mean, that's why you're there to win. And I've learned now, of course, I don't, we don't win maybe like we did once did, but I've learned that it, uh, what I really enjoy is uh, seeing the guys I've curled against forever. I, I curled against, I played against the guy that a couple of weeks ago that I first curled against in 1963. In fact, in the International Bondspiel, I played against uh, a boy from Bemidji, and it was the fourth generation of that family that I'd curled against. Mm, wow. I don't think many sports will let that happen, so... Well, if anybody remembers curling against the Tim and Michelle Wickland in 1983, and they're still a part of the curling club, let me know, because we'll start the dynasty. <laughs> so anyway, it's just a great game, and I really enjoy it. And uh, we've won some games, and we've lost some games, but it's just nice being out on the ice and having fun. And uh, it's a great escape from, if uh, when things aren't going so well, it's a great escape. Get away and for a couple hours and just relax. Have you ever been on the board before? Have you ever... I was on the board, uh, oh, let me think, back about 1976, I got on the board, and I, I was uh, on the board or the s treasurer or the vice president or the president, I think about 15 years hmm. in a row. So you're a career politician <laughs> at the same point. I've been called, I haven't been called that before. Hmm. but, but I have I, now. So I've been on the board and I've been on bond spill committees and other committees, I, they asked me if I would run for the board, and I said, uh, yeah, why not? I, I think I can bring a sense of the history of the club. We've grown so fast, which is wonderful, and which I never expected. But I think we have to remember our roots. And when I was when I was on the board, uh, things were pretty tough. We were looking, and in fact, at one point, we were looking to build find a golf course where we could build a four-sheet curling club. The neighborhood was rough. The, curling, the building was falling apart. We didn't have members. We didn't have any money. And I think we need to remember that as we continue to go forward. And so here I am. So how many members like back then? Maybe a couple hundred. Wow. Yeah, things were touch and go. We, uh, When I was a treasurer or on the board, we would say, well, we owe money to A, B, and C, but we paid A last month, so maybe we can wait till another month or two and put that off. It was So it's a different world now at the Curling Club. But we So they, uh, you don't think that they have problems paying their bills? We, I think we are in pretty good shape relative to those days. That's good. But I think we need to remember that things, you know. And there are other things at the history of the club that I think uh, are important that we not forget. Curling is a game of great traditions, and I'd like to, I think we need to remember all those traditions as we move forward. And obviously we're going to change, and uh, and that's good too. But we, I think we got to remember where we came from. 
Do you have any good uh, story? I want two different stories. I want one story to highlight the um, the roughness of the neighborhood, and uh, and then I want another story about the uh, a cultural aspect of the old St. Paul Curling Club that is super cool, that is a real fond memory of yours. Well, I remember one of our members uh, leaving the club one night and walking past the corner of the building, and he heard a noise and a, a, a piece of the a brick chipped off, and he realized it was a bullet that had just missed him. And another Bonspiel event, there was a bar across the street, and we told everybody, don't go, don't go there. But uh, one of our Canadian curlers went there anyway and ended up in the hospital with knife wounds. So it was a tough neighborhood. It would be the Canadians. Right, <laughs> Disregard. Right, right across the street? Directly across the street. Yeah. Who, would, who would knife a Canadian? He just shouldn't have been there. All right. Now, do you have any positive, like, uh, you know, obviously it survived and there must have been some good times. Well, one thing, one thing I, re- I remember uh, back then when we were struggling, and sheet seven and eight, we had sort of a Quonset hut over there. Uh, and uh, What kind of a hut? Kind of a, a Quonset type uh, metal roof. And we had uh, snow would melt and leak in and the ice was terrible. And we finally decided that uh, in spite of all, we had to fix that up. So at the annual meeting, we said, we announced that we had a project. We had to tear that down over sheet seven and eight. And... If we could get enough volunteers on Saturdays for the next month, we could probably get her done. And we had so many people show up that first weekend, we got it done in one weekend. And I think that that was kind of a turning point for the curling club. All of a sudden, these people had some sweat uh, equity in the place and that felt this is our club. And boy, since then, it's it's been unbelievable. It's really a, It really is a curling club, I think, in the, in the truest sense of the word. Apparently, there's a half a dozen to a dozen committees we learn about a new committee each week. Well, I don't know what all the committees are. Um, Do you know any of the committees? There's a uh, the Games and Events Committee. I oh, suspect, I don't know about that one. I suspect the Games I might and Events Committee. I might I'd be, be really involved with that. that. I might be involved with that because I've, been, I've been doing the draws for the club for forever. So there'll be discussions about leagues and what do we do about the playoffs if there isn't a way to streamline these playoffs. I don't like the fact that we have two weeks between the, your last game and maybe in your first game in the playoffs. and I know one thing that you can improve in the uh, playdown area. I forgot that you get, you're the person that does the draw, so you're the person that I can bitch to about this. But apparently there's a problem where people get double booked a lot. Yep. Because you're on, you know, I'm sure you do it, you base it on the skips. Yep. That's a tough one. We have eight, we have, uh, this year we have 210 teams in the playoffs. Wow. So that's 800 curlers. I when I do the draws, I make sure that the skips don't have conflicts for as long as possible. Till me and that's what you should worry point. about. The skips are the most important player in the entire team. Well, they're the only names I know, right? Uh, and so I make sure they don't, as best I can, that they don't have conflicts. But um, to look at all eight hundred names, uh, I don't know how to do that. I, I know it's a problem. Um, Next year, if you want help, I can help you. Okay, I'll, I'll write a program to do that. Well, when I started at St. Paul, we, I think we rated, all the curlers were rated like from 1 to 16, if you can imagine a scale that broadly. Uh, so then you get a four, but there were no restrictions on who played with who. And you get a team and you add up their points. And then for each, each game, you compare their total points with the opponent's total points, and that would determine your handicap. Now they pull it out of a hat. Well, not exactly, but, uh, but you know, when you're rating, you got a thousand people and you're going to rate them from 1 to 16, that's kind of a, 
almost an impossible task. I think what we have now, actually what we have now is pretty, if you look at the wins, like when I do the playoffs every year, I look at how many teams the wins are. And if you chart the wins for this for the season, it's almost a bell curve, which suggests to me that what we have pretty right now works pretty well. I think this is actuarial genius happening right now. You like that? Bell curve. Did you come up with that system, Don? Well, the handicap system, system, I I understand every four weeks they review the the team's previous month or, or, you know, weeks of games. And if you win like three out of four, you move up a number. You only move up one spot. Or down one spot. And we've, we've noticed that. Our our team by hook or by crook um, has has slowly been getting a little bit more competitive, and teams that we used to have handicaps against were now even or in some cases giving points, uh, giving points, yeah. but they're still very close matches. And yeah. once I understood how the handicap system worked, I thought it it made great sense. I think it works, mm-hmm. and you say like you say you're getting better. You're still having close matches. That's what we want is close matches. I don't mind the handicap system. I don't really like it that much. We played this team, Rick Crotty's team, for the uh, Crotty Listening Cup, and he was plus three because he's an A team and I'm a C team, but I think I was a D team at one point. And I wasn't going to take it because I wanted to have a nice even match with my friend Rick, heavy metal Rick. And um, but he, Rick says, you know, it's against the the, le- the club rules to to not take your handicap. So I was like, okay, well, I'll take it. But then when you're up three. I just kept on throwing, having throw him in the house and doing takeouts, and we made all the takeouts, and there was no way he could get caught up, and we just waxed him. But if it was even game, I'm sure he would have, you know, if it, you know, we had to use draws and you know those advanced maneuvers like that. I'm sure he would have beat us. But whatever. I still think it's a good system. I mean, there are always going to be unexpected steals of two or three, or unexpected misses that totally swing the game back to an even keel. I mean, that happens more often than not, I think, especially at the club level, yeah. at, or maybe I should say my team level. Uh, I, I I don't know a better solution than to just use the handicaps, even if teams object to it. I think I agree with you. I think, I think And I think it works well. And um, I think we need something. There are some teams in, there, in the leagues that are competitive teams. Um, it's good to get waxed, though. I mean, that's kind of life. That's curling. You know, you, you play a bond spill. Sometimes you play teams that you're going to wax. Yeah. There's teams that you're competitive with. And then there's other people that are just going to beat the crap out of you. And you learn from that. You know, that's where the term wax on, wax off came from. It's curling. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that. I got a little verklempt, uh twice at the curling club. Once last year... Or uh, actually earlier this year, it might have been the end of the International on Sunday when Chuck McCumber, with whom I curl on Friday, brought out, he kind of had a little suit on and he brought out scotch for last year's, I believe, A-flight first event winners and this year's competitors, plus one for him and one for uh, the bagpiper. Mm -hmm. And then you had eight people per sheet, 64 people across, marching in step. It was... Kind of emotional, especially because I was exhausted because I had been drinking all weekend and competing. And we, we had made it to Sunday. So it was, it was a great, uh, great weekend. And I, for the first time, I realized I know or at least recognize almost everybody out there, including some of the Canadians because I, I'd curled that, that last year as well. And it was wonderful. And, and Chuck had said a few words about the club and the history of the, Oh, it was the Goodwill. That's what it was. No, it wasn't the Goodwill. It was the International. 
But in any case, that was amazing. And then the, the first time that occurred to me was three years into the club for me, which was the, the centennial year when they did the centennial tournament. And my team, of course, we signed up because we're, we, we have no responsibilities. We're young guys. Dorks. Big dorks. And we, and they, every night, they Except did, for Piz. He's cool. Yeah, Piz is okay. In any case, they, they, every night they would honor what I think was considered a legacy family, mm-hmm. where of the hundred years of the club, there was a curler for 75 of those years. Yeah. And I believe we curled against the Johnson family. There was an old Harold, um, Anderson's. Harold Anderson. Yeah. I, yeah, I knew it was if one. If I had a copy of that book, which I've heard is fantastic. If no, if somebody hasn't bought a, a copy of that book, they should buy one or two. Which book are you referring to? Uh, there's like some centennial book. Yeah, there's a few of them that's still available. Yeah, they're they're going fast though. I heard that there's hardly hot any cakes. Left. In any case, we we curled against Harold Anderson the night they honored his family, and it was amazing. And we said, "Wow, we're we're gonna we're gonna play this guy." And I remember uh, John Solom walked up to me and had said, "You're curling against St. Paul uh, Dynasty here, like a legend. Mm-hmm. So you should know how to act." <laughs> and I, I remember thinking, yes, that's true. And uh, we had a great time. We we he's kind of a he's kind of a historian, John Solom. He uh, we'll have John on sometime. He uh, he like our first year, he was super friendly to me and gave me all sorts of background history about the club and and the IT infrastructure. Yeah, I curled with John in the Goodwill last year with he and Brad Clausen and uh, I don't remember whom else. Did you beat, and Clay Orvik. Did you beat the Johnson team? No, they smoked us. Uh, we ended up conceding in the sixth, I believe. But it was really you let them win though, because they're dynasty, right? and and because I was I'm terrible. But uh, at the table upstairs afterward, Harold was on my left, and his great granddaughter was on my right, playing with Legos. And it was just it was kind of amazing. It was it was fun to ask a few questions. It was more fun to sit back and sip a beer and just kind of watch. So, and imagining that, that hopefully, you know, my wife and I will be that lucky with our family and, and curlers in the future. I'll just mention something dear to my heart. You were there last weekend when we handed out a memorial award in memory of our son, Kyle. Yeah. And uh, we've also had a junior bond spiel that this year was in its 23rd year that was started after Kyle passed away. And so that's been a really uh, neat thing for us. A good, great way to remember our son. He loved to curl and... Uh, I know he would have loved it. When, when he p- did play, there weren't junior bond spiels, and so he would have loved something like that. So that's something about St. Paul Curling Club that, uh, I mean, that's one another reason why curling is such a, the St. Paul Curling Club is such a big deal to us. When, when Kyle was sick, we had, we had a great support system there, and it was a great escape, but he's in the hospital, and we might get a couple hours to forget about all that's going on in our world. And so um, that's a big deal for uh my wife Linda and me that that uh, we're amazed that the club has uh, started both of those. We weren't involved in the, in starting it. We've been involved in them since then, and we we are very appreciative of that. Um, what's the uh, What's the highlight of your uh, curling season this year? The highlight of my curling season. Oh, I went to the U.S. Senior Bonspiel and we won the uh, Super Seniors event. Mm. That was kind of fun. Curled with some guys from Bemidji that I've known for years and had a great time. So the thing that Pete went through. Yeah, Pete's deal is... De- Pete's... Uh, he's not a super senior? He's, no, those guys are... Theirs is much more competitive. Ours is... The, the one I was at is called the U.S. Senior Bonspiel. Pete's was a playdown where you mm-hmm. have to beat everybody. A bon, our, it's, ours is run like a bonspiel and you're put in by age groups. And 
the only it draws theoretically at least draws people from all around the country. But it's it's really just a bond spiel. Where but was still it? Fun where was it located? It was in Milwaukee. Oh, fun! So the good fun. And then um, Kyle's bond spiel is always a highlight for us too. So mm. we don't work on it. We, my wife and I, worked on that for twenty years, and now Scott Clausen and his wife Linda uh, are the chairpersons. And we have, yeah, we have. It's a junior bond spiel. We have two divisions: one for more competitive curlers, and one for younger curlers, and uh, like the bantams. Yeah. And it's, uh, as I mentioned, it's 23 years now. And the number of Olympic, uh, most of our Olympic curlers from Minnesota have played in it. John Schuster, who's our national champ this year, won a couple of years. Never heard of him. Yeah, well, someday you will. And Maybe. But it's but it's fun. It's, you know, I, so I've met these kids when they're 8, 9, 10 years old. And they've come to our bond spiel six or seven years. And the next thing you know, they're curling in the national championship. And, thanks for uh, uh, Thanks for coming hey. over. Thanks for what, asking. What did you think about the uh, margarita? Nice. Very nice. Was it a good margarita? Anytime. You bring them to the club, I'm with you. All right. Excellent. Thanks cool. so much, Chris. It's been fun. Yeah, it has been a good time. Thank you. Do you, uh, do you know any jokes? I'm not a joke teller. I'm an actuary. Actuaries no, no, tell no. jokes? Actuaries look at their shoes. There's got to be some like uh, actuarial type humor.